Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four! Please, Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. 56 degrees and light rain across the area on this Friday, May the 27th of 2022. It is currently eight minutes after five o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 574-232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Well, the weekend is straight ahead. Hopefully, you'll have some some time to enjoy it. Hopefully, we dry out. We'll have some nice weather coming up this weekend. And we've got major championship golf up in Benton Harbor, Michigan this weekend. The third round tomorrow, the final round of the major championship, the senior PGA championship, is Sunday at Harbor Shores in Benton Harbor. And a fun leaderboard right now. If you've followed the PGA Tour The last couple of decades, the top of the leaderboard is filled with very familiar names, including Canadian Stephen Ames and American Scott McCarron, both at 8-under par, 134. They've got a two-shot lead over one of the great golfers of all time, Bernhard Langer, who has won 119 times worldwide, including... Three wins on the PGA Tour, 42 on the European Tour, and 43 victories on the Champions Tour. He has 11 senior majors, and he has a pair of regular majors, two big ones, at Augusta National winning the Masters in 1985 and 1993. He has battled through the yips, and yet here he is at the age of 64 competing for another major championship The German sits at a tie for third place right now in the Senior PGA Championship. 68-68 for Langer, and he's at minus six. Two shots off the pace. Another Masters champion, Mike Weir from 03. He is at minus six at a tie for third place. You go a little further down the leaderboard. Four-time major champion, Ernie Els, is at a tie for seventh place. The 52-year-old is at minus 5, 67 in the opening round, a 1-under par 70 earlier today, and Els is only 3 off the pace looking for his first major championship as a senior, and he is in good position to do so at this particular time. A three-time major champion and a tie for 11th place, Irish golfer Patrick Harrington, 68-70. He's at minus 4. He is four shots off the pace. Indiana University golfer Sean McKeel, who had a major championship win at the PGA, minus four. He is in a tie for 11th place as well. Chris Tamarco, who nearly won the Masters, uh, beaten, I believe, by Tiger Woods in a, a great battle coming down the stretch. Tamarco still on the course, one over par through nine today, playing in the tougher conditions. He's at minus three. For the golf tournament, Steve Stricker, who won our major championship here in South Bend at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, the 2019 U.S. Senior Open, unable to play this week. He tested positive for COVID-19, so Stricker unable to tee it up. Fred Couples didn't play this weekend, but yet we've got a very strong leaderboard heading into the weekend at the Senior PGA Championship in Harbor Shores. We'll keep you updated on the leaderboard. I have a feeling not too many guys are going to be making a move 
this afternoon. The temperatures are right around 50 degrees at best right now off the lake at Harbor Shores. It has been raining throughout the afternoon. And if you played early yesterday, late this afternoon, you got the short end of the stick. The better draw was late yesterday, early today, because you missed the weather that rolled in to our area this afternoon. And players like McCarran, Ames, Longer took advantage of that today, getting out early and posting really good scores. Ames and McCarran, 66 and Longer, 68. We can also tell you the Notre Dame baseball team cleanly through to the ACC tournament semifinals. Link Jarrett's Fighting Irish took care of the Virginia Cavaliers today, 3-0. So the Irish go 2-0 in pod play. They advance to their first ever ACC tournament semifinal. The Irish gave up only two earned runs in the two victories over Florida State and Virginia. The Fighting Irish will take part in the semifinals tomorrow at 1 o'clock down in Charlotte, probably against the number one overall seed in the ACC tournament, the Virginia Tech Hokies. So the Irish still have a chance to earn that first ACC tournament baseball championship down in Charlotte. They are two wins away from reaching that particular goal and a good tune-up for the regionals, which are right around the corner. And once again, South Bend is expected and will be hosting a regional once again this year. So good work by Link Jarrett and the Fighting Irish getting it done today, beating former Irish pitching coach Brian O'Connor, the head coach of the Virginia Cavaliers. Irish win today by a final score of 3 to nothing. So those are some of the things happening this afternoon. Now our first pitch of the day. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And here we go with our first topic of the day. My first pitch to you is the Notre Dame football running back room is loaded with talent and talent that unless they decide to go somewhere else is going to be here for a little while. The Irish lost their leading rusher the last two years, Kyron Williams to the National Football League. Now he's going to try to carry the pigskin with the team he grew up rooting for. They're just in a different city. St. Louis kid, big St. Louis Rams fan, now property of the Los Angeles Rams. So Kyron has moved on. We wish him well. But the running back room is still in awfully good shape. You'd love to have Kyron back, but we get it. Running backs, when you still have tread on the tire, you go to the NFL because, man, running backs get beat up. Careers can end quickly. So when you got the chance to go, go what he did, and good for Kyron Williams. Well, last night the Irish picked up a verbal commitment from Jaden Lamar out of the state of Washington, a four-star running back for the class of 2023. Even though he is not signed, he will sign in December, hopefully. He is just another really good prospect in the running back room for Dylan McCullough, the new running back coach for Marcus Freeman here in South Bend. As I mentioned, this group could be together for a little while. Let's take a look at the scholarship chart at the running back position. You start with the veteran guy of the group, and that is Chris Tyree. He still has three years of eligibility remaining if you include that COVID year that is available to Tyree. 5'9", 188. Tyree in his career, 129 carries for 718 yards, five touchdowns, 32 receptions, seven receiving touchdowns. This is an explosive back who has played behind Kyron Williams. Is the opportunity now for Chris Tyree to be the guy for the Irish? Now, I say the guy kind of with air quotes because you're probably going to see multiple guys carry the football this year, but the first option might be Chris Tyree, who was held back with injuries last year, the turf toe. We just didn't see that explosive Chris Tyree that we know is possible. Last year in 11 games, 56 carries for 222 yards for Tyree. Four yards per carry, had one rushing touchdown. 
24 catches out of the backfield for 258 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Tyree, again, three years left if you count the COVID year. And when I give you the years, that is counting the upcoming season as one of the years. Logan Diggs burst out of the scene as a freshman last year. Three years remaining for Logan Diggs, six foot, 200 pounds. Didn't play early on last year. Got on the field against Virginia Tech. Then it was hard to get him off the field. Eight games, 52 carries for Logan Diggs for 230 yards, 4.4 yards per carry, three touchdowns. He can catch the football too. Six receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Now, Diggs, when will we see him this year? That's a big question. Unfortunately, Diggs suffered an injury in the Notre Dame Blue Gold game. The injury was a torn labrum that required surgery. We weren't really given an approximate time for Diggs to be out, but the normal recovery time varies from player to player, but let's just throw out the number four to six months. That puts September in question for the extremely talented sophomore, Logan Diggs. So Tyree and Diggs, that's a pretty good one-two punch. A lot of explosiveness in that duel. Pretty good pass catching as well. But let's don't leave out of the equation the big guy in the room. Audric Estime, 6'1", around 220 pounds. Freshman last year, got seven carries for 60 yards, 8.6 yards per carry. Six of the carries against Georgia Tech had one carry. In the Fiesta Bowl against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Didn't have a catch last year. Estime, big body, could be a major factor for the Irish the next couple of years in short yardage situations down around the goal line. But don't just pencil him in as only that type of running back. He's got good moves that we saw in the blue goal game. Maybe you recall one of the runs he had, powering through a couple of arm tackles and then sprinting forward for a big game. There is a combination of speed and power in Audric Estime, and he is going to be a factor in the Irish running game this year, and counting this year has three years of eligibility remaining. So there's your possible top three running backs, all with three years of eligibility remaining. Again, keep in mind, Tyree, one of those three years, the COVID year. Then you got the young guys, the new guys, to the running back room. Jadarian Price. Getting set for his freshman year, four years for Price here at Notre Dame, 5'11", 180. He put up some mammoth numbers in high school. As a senior, 1,800 yards, 9.3 yards per carry, 18 rushing touchdowns in his high school career, nearly 5,000 rushing yards, 4,990, 7.1 yards per carry, and 55 touchdowns for Jadarian Price. G-Brand Payne, another new addition to this running back room. He was going to Indiana University to play. Was going to play for Coach McCullough. He's now in South Bend. G-Brand Payne is now in South Bend as well. That is a four-star late pickup for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish. So even without Kyron Williams, you go to the post this year with Tyree, Estime, Price, Payne. We'll see when Logan Diggs can get healthy coming off the torn labrum. But once healthy, that is still a very, very healthy running back room for Irish offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. And again, barring transfer portal type decisions, these guys are going to hang around a little while. Now you can add Jaden Lamar to the list. 5'11", 190 out of the state of Washington, a four-star recruit in the class of 2023. I'm going to talk to Blue and Gold Illustrated recruiting insider Mike Singer coming up in about 15 minutes or so. And I'm going to ask Mike about Jaden Lamar, and he's probably going to mention the name Kyron Williams in this conversation. Stand by for that visit in just a little bit here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So a very interesting, talented running back room for the Fighting Irish. 
Three years left for Tyree, three for Diggs, three for Estime, four for Price, four for Payne, and Lamar will sign in December. And the Irish aren't done yet in the class of 2023. They're going to have five-star running back Richard Young in town in June for an official visit, even though Alabama is the leader. The Irish will have their chance with Richard Young. 522 is our time. That's our first pitch on Budweiser's weekday sports beat coming up in a couple of moments. We'll have our Twitter question of the day, and it centers around Notre Dame football start time. Stand by for that. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Friday evening on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Twenty-seven minutes after five o'clock on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you from our WSBT studios in downtown South Bend, just a couple of blocks from Four Winds Field where the South Bend Cubs will take on the Great Lakes Loons, weather permitting tonight. Pre-game at 6.45, first pitch at 7.05 right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our next segment, we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Our latest conversation centers around last night's verbal commitment a four-star running back, Jaden Lamar. You'll hear that conversation in our next segment here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. You can follow me on Twitter at 960SportsBeat. And each day I post a Twitter question of the day. Yesterday's question. If you could choose one quarterback at their current age, to be your NFL team's quarterback for each of the next three years, who do you pick? The three choices were Tampa Bay, Buccaneer, Legend, The Goat, seven Super Bowl championships, Tom Brady. But if you pick Tom Brady, you'll get him at age 45, 46, and 47, which still could be high in football. Or it could break down any second. So that was the first choice. The second choice, I think this is the safest pick. 38-year-old Colts quarterback, Matt Ryan. The Colts dumped Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders that acquired the Falcons veteran quarterback. So you get Matt Ryan at age 38, 39, and 40, still throwing the football extremely well. He had a horrible offensive line in front of him in Atlanta the last couple of years, which brought down his passing totals. He also did not have Julio Jones last year. As he moved on to the Tennessee Titans, his next best wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, took himself out of the lineup, then got suspended by the NFL for a gambling charge. So Ryan... Yeah, he had Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end, as a rookie. That's a pretty good target. But he was lacking weapons. So now Ryan's in Indianapolis. Will we see an uptick at his play? I think we will. I mean, goodness, you got a great running back in Jonathan Taylor. Really good offensive line. If left tackle comes together. So to me, of the three choices, Ryan is the safest choice. Then we get to the wild card. This could be the best choice or the worst choice. This could be the bust choice. And that's Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Now, to be fair, Fields had to deal with Matt Nagy's game planning and play calling. That would hamper any quarterback, let alone a rookie coming out of Ohio State. So if you take Fields in this Twitter question of the day, you get him. For years two, three, and four in the National Football League. And if he plays extremely well, this is the goldmine pick. But there's a lot of risk. We just don't know yet how good he's going to be. So that's why I think this question was a little challenging. You had different ways to look 
at these three quarterbacks. So again, Brady, Ryan, or Fields, if you could choose one quarterback at their current age and they have to be your starting quarterback the next three years, who do you pick? Coming in third place in the voting, the player I called the safest choice. Colts quarterback Matt Ryan got 26.8% of the vote. Second place in the voting, the wild card, Bears quarterback Justin Fields, 29.3%. And the quarterback you would choose at their current age to be your NFL team's quarterback each of the next three years, the majority is still going with the GOAT at age 45, 46, and 47, Buccaneers signal caller Tom Brady. Hey, those seven championships don't lie. So there you have it. People are going to risk it on the GOAT at age 45, 46, and 47. You would have to imagine this is his last year. We thought it was going to be last year. He announced his retirement. Now he's back. He's got that massive broadcast deal waiting for him with Fox Sports. So you sign that deal, I wouldn't think, to play three or four more years. He's not going to play till he's 48, right? So I would imagine this is his last year. But for the sake of our question, Tom Brady wins the vote at 43.9%. Justin Fields second at 29.3%. And Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, third place in the voting at 26.8%. Thank you so much for voting on yesterday's question. Now let's get to today's Sports Beat Twitter question of the day on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. Here is today's question. If every Notre Dame home football game were to start at the same time all season, one start time the whole year at home, which of these four start times would you choose? Here are your four choices. A noon kickoff for every home game. A 2.30 kickoff for every home game. What about a 3.30 kickoff? Or all the games in prime time at 7.30. I've heard this debated by Irish fans. I know the media always likes those early starts, especially for our friends in the journalism world that have to type out their stories. And those prime time games are tough. You are typing into the wee hours, although... What an advantage for the internet sites over newspapers now with the deadlines of newspapers getting earlier and earlier. It is such an advantage to have a specialized internet website where there is no deadline. When you get the story done, you post it. And fans can get it right away rather than waiting for the paper at the doorstep. And sometimes those stories don't show up the next day. So... I think it's an interesting question, so that's why we threw it out there. If every Notre Dame home football game were to start at the same time all season, one start time consistently all year, which of these four times would you choose? Noon, 2.30, 3.30, or 7.30? I think through the years when this has just been brought up away from the radio, a lot of people love the 2.30 starts, and we will see a few of those. So there you go. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. If every Notre Dame home football game were to start at the same time all season, what would you choose? Noon, 2.30, 3.30, or 7.30? Look forward to you voting, and we'll pass along the results on Memorial Day on Monday. It is 5.35. Let's bring aboard Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated to talk about the newest member to the Irish family, four-star running back Jaden Lamar. That conversation is next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Here's the fake, Meyer looking, Meyer finding the other tight end, Irv Smith, touchdown. Five-five rocket touchdown, Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 
Well, welcome to another edition of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT as we once again speak with Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. My name is Darren Pritchett, and we are here to talk about a verbal commitment, commitment number 13 for Notre Dame for the class of 2023. And once again, Notre Dame has a running back now in the class, and his name is Jaden Lamar. Mike, first off, give us your perspective on Jaden Lamar, the football player, what he could bring to this Fighting Irish football program. A lot of the comparisons that I've, I've been hearing, not only from on three director of scouting rankings, Charles Power, blue and gold analyst Tim Hyde, Notre Dame fans as well that I've seen in comments. It's, I see some Kyron Williams in him, and, and I see it as well. You know, he's listed at 5'11", 190. I think he's maybe got – he's quicker. He's even fat, He's faster than, than Kyron at this point. He's ran in the 4'4", four, 4'5", four, four, ranges already as a high school junior laser timed as well. So not hand time. Like when I was in high school, Darren, as a freshman, uh, I ran a four, seven on the track and my coaches were like, Whoa, it's great. I'm like, yeah, it's because you probably, you know, cl- clicked your, your timer when I was at 35 yards still. Um, so I, and I appreciated that. Um, but so, so yeah, we're talking laser time. I think he's, he's got a little mix of Tyree and Williams because he's got that, He's not as fast as Chris Tyree. I mean, Tyree is, I mean, track star. I mean, he, I mean, he is beyond um, fast. Lamar is, is very fast as well. It, so he's kind of got a blend of the speed of Tyree with kind of that all-purpose nature that Kyron Williams brings. It's, it's a really nice get for Notre Dame. I mean, he can he catches the ball out of the backfield. He um, is good in the slot. Just an all-around good running back get for Notre Dame and, I mean, I've, I've met him. I've met his family. Just awesome people. Um, his younger brother is a class of 2025 prospect. He's an offer from Arizona already. Um, so he's one to watch as well. So just all around, love this gift for Notre Dame. Mike, it sure looks like that the Irish had to beat out a bunch of West Coast teams for his services. Yeah, um, Oregon, Michigan, Arizona was his final four along with Notre Dame. You know, USC had also offered him UCLA, um, you know, Texas A&M was even in there. So um, it, it really, Darren, just felt like Notre Dame from the get. I mean, they offered him last August, got him on campus after the USC game. Um, he committed to the staff before he returned to Notre Dame for the Blue Gold game in April. Um, so it, it was really just a matter of, how can Notre Dame make these running back spots work? You know, they're going to take two in this class. Um, and look, uh, it was who? It was just going to be a matter of who. And, and Lamar gets in there um, as one of them. Cedric Irvin, of course, bounced out a week ago today as we record this. It was on May 20th. He decommitted from the Fighting Irish. Now it looks like there's still going to be a second back. Who that is is obviously still to be determined. So it seems like, Mike, at the end of the day, as you just mentioned, you lose Irvin, you add Lamar. The Irish are still in pretty good shape in their efforts to get two running backs. It looks like they've got a really good piece right now in Lamar with some really good possibilities still possibly ahead for this recruiting cycle. In June, they're going to bring in uh, Richard Young, a five-star running back from Southwest Florida and they're also going to bring in Jeremiah Love, another track star. He's from St. Louis um, in Missouri. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's running back recruiting just keeps seeming to take steps up, Um, you know, from Lance Taylor now to Delane McCullough. I mean, it's it's just looking really good. I mean, we talked about it earlier this week, Darren, so I want to dive back into the the past uh, recruiting classes here in the past couple years of, who Notre Dame has signed and, and, and gotten commitments from and everything. I mean, it's, it's a talented group, and I think Notre Dame will land Jeremiah Love. I haven't put in a prediction yet at on three. I do like Notre Dame for him. I mean, out, they're going to have to beat out Alabama, Georgia, a bunch of other schools. Richard Young, that's a little bit more of a long shot, but, hey, they're getting the five-star and number one running back in the country on campus. That's a big deal in itself. If you don't mind, let me ask you one question about Young. I saw he laid out his visits coming up and all five visits are basically within a week and a half. Notre Dame is a midweek visit. Does it matter at all in 
terms of official visits, whether you visit during the week or weekend, is there any, really any difference when a kid chooses to come? Uh, no, not really. I mean, there, there's a difference in that he's going to be the only recruit on campus. Uh, I mean, officially, at, at least unless Notre Dame brings someone else in at that point. Um, so they have more attention on him, but um, there's also not as many other, you know, recruits on campus to bond with. Like the June 10th weekend has so many Notre Dame commits. June 17th has a few as well. So, um pros and cons i would say but i would say it's a bigger pro that you know he's able to just spend as much time as possible with that notre dame staff or i should phrase that as notre dame's able to spend as much time with him they don't have to worry about any other pro any other prospects coming into this verbal commitment of Jaden lamar they were the number one class according to on three and i would assume lamar's commitment does nothing to hurt that particular mark Correct. Yeah. Number one class. So uh, Notre Dame has 13 commitments right now. Um, USC is number two and they have seven. So, you know, when I was at Rivals for uh, almost a decade, they did their, their rankings differently. It's more of a point system. So early on, it rewards you the more commitments you have. Well, on three, uh, they use a, a, a score system for, you know, your average of commit. So, it's they're using a rolling score of the average amount of power five commits out there. Um, if that makes sense per school. So you have all these power five schools, you know, add them up, divide it by the amount of power five programs. And then there you go. So it's six right now. So of Notre Dame's 13 commitments, only their top six are being used um, for the score. And it's a 93.8. So that's the average ranking for the Notre Dame. It's all this information at on three.com. Um, so, yeah, sl slightly over USC right now, that's at 93.5. So, yeah, really a strong class early on, um, 13 commits, one to five star, 11 four stars, and, and one three star. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's not too bad. Uh, and, Darren, I mean, I was talking to just a source earlier today, and the amount of sunshine in the Notre Dame football offices mm -hmm. is it, – it, it's summertime. I mean, they are – folks in the offices are just feeling very, very good about where recruiting's at and how this class can finish up. So with that being said, offer your perspective on how much of an impact Marcus Freeman has had as head coach in the recruiting circles. He said he was going to lead the charge, and I guess he's not disappointing. I mean, Darren, that's the – I mean, you, you taught me a lot of softballs in the couple of years we've been doing this. This might be the – Easiest. The biggest softball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, it's uh, – I mean, he, he's killing it. I mean, he's he's the lead recruiter for just about everybody. I mean, there's a couple of exceptions. Like a kid just got an offer and he hasn't talked to Freeman. Yeah, we, we understand that. But, like, <laughs> these dudes they're going after um, – I mean, Marcus Freeman's involved. I mean – um, I saw a quote from a Don Schuler on the Irish uh, Players Club Twitter space where he said, you know, I talked to Marcus Freeman for a couple hours and he changed my perspective on football. I mean, Marcus Freeman, I, Darren, I remember when he got the job, I came on your show and I was raving about him. It's like, he is just a special person. Like he's just got this aura about him. He's the same person, whether he's doing the dishes or he's coaching football, like he is just a very consistent person. Um, and, and he's just a special recruiter as well. So, Mike, you look at this class, and you have developed in our conversations that the defensive line in this class is off the chart, spectacular, led by Keon Keeley out of Tampa. As you look at this class, and there's a long way to go, but what area right now are you focused on that could use the biggest boost right now? I think quarterback's kind of easy. Right <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, quarterback, I mean, it's either five-star quarterback Dante Moore, who Notre Dame sources feel like is a game-changing, excuse me, maybe program-changing type player or, you know, a, a settle slash transfer. I, I, you know, I, so I think quarterback is huge. That's kind of an easy answer. I think receiver is, is very important, you know, I used to call um, receivers like the kind of the icing on the cake, you know, like the, the, you need like 
um, I love cupcakes. Like you need to have that uh, a good foundation, and then just a really nice receivers. I mean, you can kind of find them anywhere. They're just icing on the cake. The, the game's changed that these receivers are able to go over the middle and and not get hit as, as much anymore. So you do need game breaking receivers. Um, and look, I mean Notre Dame hasn't really had that recently, and the numbers are low. So it, it's a really important receiver class. And then. I mean, Darren, if you just – if we want to talk about the last, what, seven, eight years, whatever it is, what are the, the key positions for Notre Dame that they're lacking to win a national championship, Darren? Answer, answer that for me. There's three. Oh, well, they've taken care of defensive line. That was a problem for many, many years that your late colleague Lou Samoji talked about forever. You know, personally, I've always felt like, Mike, They've had really good quarterbacks, but they haven't had that guy that's in the Heisman race or a guy that can put the team on the back like a Baker that Mayfield one. could do at Oklahoma and win a ball game when the rest of the team is struggling. So, I, don't, I mean, you could have gave a lot of quarterbacks. Baker's an interesting one, but I'll forgive you. <laughs> so, and then it's the edges, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. receiver and quarterback, and that's where I look at this class. They have a really good one in Braylon James. They need to add – two to three more really talented pass catchers, and then it's corner. And I'll just say defensive back in general um, because so many of those guys can, uh, you know, play corner or safety. So, I'll, you know, they, they have a Don Schuler safety committed from New Jersey. They have Peyton Bowen, um, who I feel like personally is a five-star talent. they got to keep them committed. Both of those guys are safeties, though. they got to get a couple corners in this class as well. Well, Mike, you take a look at Chase Claypool, one of the more dominating wide receivers the Irish have had. He could have played how many different positions at Notre Dame. He wasn't necessarily recruited at Notre Dame to be a wide receiver. There was kind of a fight amongst the coaches. They wanted him at their position that they coach. He ended up at wide receiver and turned out to be a great player. But I think, what, Mike, he was what a three-star recruit coming out of Canada. And the Irish hit the gold mine, you know, with a player like that. But in terms of getting that dominant wide receiver, I think your analysis is right on. That's kind of the missing piece. And it sure seems like listening to you Talk about the way the Irish are recruiting. There's a lot of guys lined up that could fill that void in this particular recruiting cycle. I mean, and I've got predictions for Notre Dame to land Rico Flores Jr. and Jaden Greathouse um, from Folsom, California, and Austin, Texas, respectively. And those are, are, are basically Notre Dame's top receiver targets on the board. I mean, I think Carnell Tate, who we've talked about a ton yeah. uh, over the past year and some change, Darren, five-star from uh, Chicago, now at, at IMG Academy down in Florida. I think that's that's a long shot now. Um, you know, they could still maybe get like a, um, a Josh Manning, who they recently offered from Missouri, or uh, maybe Malik Elzey from Chicago. I mean, but it's really keep James committed, which I, I think won't be a problem go get Flores, and then go get a great house. All three of these guys, by the way, officially visiting Notre Dame in June. So uh, Notre Dame seems to be looking really good, and, and Chancey Stuckey is, I can't say enough good things about Notre Dame's new receivers coach and the job he's done recruiting so far. I probably could have picked a better quarterback example. I know he won the Heisman Trophy, but off the top of my head, <laughs> I was trying to think of recent quarterbacks that, you know, helped their team, like that win at Ohio State that he had. He played, you know, pretty doggone good in that particular game. But you know where I was going with that comment. I'm just teasing you, Darren. You were right, though. You were right. That was probably not my finest choice. Blue and Gold Illustrated, we do these videos now. And, of course, they air on WSBT Radio, my Budweiser's weekday sports speed show. And we still highly encourage Irish fans, if you have not taken advantage of the unbelievable access you can get at blueandgold.com for just a dollar. I mean, what are you waiting for? We've got recruiting that is hot and heavy right now. And you know what? Before you know it, football is going to be starting because now we're starting to get the start times for football games. So you got to get ready for Blue and Gold Illustrated's coverage of the Notre Dame football season. It's exciting, Darren. It's also football preview time. We're, we're mm -hmm. starting to lay out the outline for our uh, 2022 football preview. Um, I mean, it's, I think it's, what, 150, 160 page, fully glossy uh, pages, recruiting information, um, position breakdowns, previews of each game. Uh, we, I mean, we've got a fantastic staff of Blue and Gold that are, you know, writing our, all these articles. Um, so, we, uh, you know, our mission when we moved 
from rivals to on three was let's make the blue and gold brand between YouTube and, so, and all the social media and our website and magazine. Let's, let's make it as big as it's ever been in the honor of loose emoji. And, um, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm thankful to be on staff and, and do that. And, you know, we, we have the a dollar for a year. So we hope you uh, join us in, in that quest. All right. So Jade Lamar is Irish. Are we going to have to wait too much longer for number 14? Um, I, I actually, what, I mean, too much longer than that. I don't think next week, but it's June official visit season, Darren, and Notre Dame's going to have a ton of kids on campus. So, I, I mean, it, there will be several new commitments this summer. I mean, yeah, there, I mean, it could, it, I mean, we're talking maybe a dozen new commitments before the start of the football season. So, yeah, it'll be very busy. But, don't, like, in the super immediate future, I think we got some time. Don't you wish you had a dollar for every time you've been asked that the last 10 years? You, you could retire. I mean, uh, how, many, how many subscriptions I could sign up with <laughs> for all those dollars? Think about that, Darren. Mike, good to be with you. Thank you so much for your time. Jade Lamar is Fighting Irish, and read more about it at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Mike. That's Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leading off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run, Eloy Jimenez. Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's the winner. Here's Darren Pritchett. 11 minutes after 6 o'clock at WSBT. Welcome to the second hour, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We went off the air for just a second. We had... A major computer meltdown for a couple of moments. I felt like Matthew Broderick in War Games for a second. The screens <laughs> all went bye-bye for a second. I thought I was going to have to play tic-tac-toe to get back into the system. But we're back, and we're rolling once again. Thanks for hanging with us here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. We'll talk some South Bend Cubs baseball with broadcaster Brendan King in just a couple of moments. He's down in Indianapolis covering the 500. He'll be back, I think, next week calling South Bend Cub games. We'll talk some South Bend Cubs baseball with Brendan in just a little bit here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Our sports wagering segment on WSBT Radio. We've got four suggestions to recap from yesterday's program and four new ones for this Friday. It's been a good week on the program. With our picks, we entered last night with a record of 10 and 2. Here are the suggestions from yesterday's program. Oilers and Flames going over six and a half goals. The Battle of Alberta. It was 1-0 Flames almost halfway through the hockey game. And then bing, bang, boom, seven goals were scored over the final, I think, about 11 minutes of the second period, which put us over six and a half total goals. It ended up with nine total goals. The Oilers... Knocking out the Flames in Game 5 with a 5-4 overtime victory. So that worked out very, very well. Next suggestion, Cardinals and Brewers down in St. Louis with Adam Wainwright on the mound. I went with St. Louis on the money line coming off a day off. Brewers flying in from San Diego. There was no jet lag. The Brewers walked away with a 4-3 victory. And so we took the L in that particular choice. Also, a suggestion from yesterday. Shohei Otani was on the mound for the Angels against the Toronto Blue Jays out in Anaheim, and I took 
the Angels to have the lead after five innings and a one-by-three result at minus 110. But unfortunately, Otani, he struck out 10 but gave up five earned runs in six innings, and the score after five innings was 4-2 in favor of Toronto. Blue Jays ended up winning 6-3. And our final suggestion from yesterday's program from the NBA playoffs, Western Conference Final, I took Golden State on their home floor, minus 6.5 against the Mavericks at minus 110. Warriors blew open the game in the second quarter and cruised to a 120-110 victory. They won by 10. We needed them to win by at least 7. We'll take the W with that suggestion. So 2-2 yesterday. So, so far this week, we are 12-4 for the month of May, 22 and 14, eight games over 500. Our separate, separate underdog pick, I took the Rangers on the money line at the Hurricanes at plus 125. Rangers had the lead, one nothing in the first period. Kane scored a power play goal to tie it up and went on to beat the Rangers by a score of 3-1. to one. So our underdog pick so far, 4-4. Four and four. Here are today's suggestions on our We Going to Sizzler sports wagering segment here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. Points are hard to come by in the Celtics-Heat Series. The game in Boston, I think the Celtics do it to the Heat once again. Miami struggling offensively. I'm going to take Celtics-Heat under 202.5 points at minus 110. It's 8.5 Celtics, the favorite. I'm not sure I want to touch that one, so I went with the under 202.5 total points. Avs and Blues, I'm going to continue to go with the Avs, and I guess they're going to continue to burn me, but I'm going to go Avs with a regulation win, one of three results. I get that number at minus 105, so Colorado has to beat the Blues in St. Louis in regulation to win the wager. Third suggestion from Major League Baseball, I'm going to have a Rockies-Nats choice, believe it or not. But I go against Aaron Sanchez every time he's on the mound. The Nats right-hander going up against a good left-hander for the Rockies, Austin Gomber. I think the Rockies on the road beat the Nats straight up tonight. Rockies on the money line at minus 105 in D.C. And fourth and final suggestion, I have rode Alex Manoa to a handful of victories this year. He's on the mound for the Blue Jays in Anaheim. I'm going to go Blue Jays on the money line at the Angels at minus 125. So the four suggestions for tonight, Celtics heat under 202.5 points, abs, a regulation win against the blues at minus one Oh five Rockies on the money line at the Nats at minus one Oh five and the blue Jays on the money line at the angels at minus one twenty five. our separate underdog pick. I'm going diamondbacks plus one twenty five against the Dodgers. I'm backing Madison Bumgarner, who's pitching for the D backs against the Dodgers, Ryan Peplot. I'm going to hope Bumgarner shuts him down and the D-backs get enough offense. So our underdog pick, let's go with the D-backs at plus 125. Those are the suggestions for We Going to Sizzler, our sports wagering segment for this Friday. It is 17 minutes after 6 o'clock. South Bend Cubs baseball is coming up at 645 here on WSBT Radio. South Bend home to take on the Great Lakes Loons, the Dodgers affiliate. Broadcaster Brendan King will join me in a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 624 in your home of the Fighting Irish and the South Bend Cubs. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you on this Friday evening. Cubs and Great Lakes coming up. 645 pregame, 705 first pitch from Four Winds Field in downtown South Bend. Broadcaster Brendan King joins me for a couple of moments. He's on loan this weekend. He's working down in Indianapolis for stations down there covering the greatest spectacle and racing, the Indianapolis 500. They had a little carb day today, and BK were down there. I see that Colton Herta went for an interesting little ride during carb day. Yeah, Darren, that was something, and we were just talking off the air that I positioned myself in the pit when I'm covering the races, and... I was on the left side of pit lane, which leads into turn one, and 
saw that lead up to Colton Herta and actually turn one took two guys today. David Malukas, a rookie out of Chicago. He's only 20 years old. He scraped with Santino Ferrucci in turn one. Thankfully, Malukas didn't take much damage. But, yeah, Darren Herta barreling over. He wound up on the flip side of his car, and he was pointing down to the track with his head. So, thankfully, he's okay. And I know he passed concussion protocol. So, as long as they fly in the new car ready to go, he'll be good for Sunday. It's amazing how, quote-unquote, safe these cars are compared to a couple of decades ago. For someone to go for a ride like that and, and walk away and be able to race on Sunday is absolutely incredible. And, and Brendan, just your thought going into the 500 this weekend. Are there a couple of names to watch? I'm sure probably that guy on the pole that seems to be the face of the IRL, Scott Dixon, might be high on your list. Yeah, the Iceman, Darren, I think that's the one thing that he's going to need to really cement himself as one of the greats. You know, he, he will already be remembered as a terrific IndyCar driver, but if he can get a second Indy 500 and the first since 2008, I don't think there's anything else for him to do. I mean, the guy has won six championships. This is his fifth career Indianapolis 500 pole. And if he can get the 500 win, it's good for Scott because that's a hell of a career in my book. But, you know, if you're talking some guys a little bit further back, from a young perspective, I might say Pato Award. I think he's the most talented young driver in the circuit. He's fearless. He's quick. Um, Takuma Sato is a guy looking for his third 500 win in his career. And a reason why I like Takuma this weekend is because it's going to be very hot and sunny, at least from a weather perspective on Sunday, meteorologists are saying. And Takuma won in 2020 when the race happened in August. There was nobody there. It was during COVID summer. That was the hottest 500 on record. And when it's hot, the track gets really slick. And Takuma has found a way to master that, winning in 2020. I think he has an advantage if things are really hot and slippery come Sunday. So, award Dixon and Sato. I think those would be my three. The only 500 I've been to in person is when Frankiti won his third, and the late Dan Weldon was pushing him at the end, and it was about 95, yeah. 96 degrees that day. Man, water is your friend, I think, on Sunday with with the temperatures expected to be pretty warm down there at the 500. So that's going to be fun to see play out with the greatest spectacle in racing this weekend. South Bend Cubs in action tonight. I got to ask you about the guy starting on the mound tonight for South Bend, Manuel Espinosa, 21 years old, a young guy out of Mexico. And you look at his numbers last year at Myrtle Beach, which is low A baseball now in the Cubs system. Really nothing stood out, Brendan. 22 starts, a 5'11 ERA. He gave up more than a hit per inning, and he struck out less than a batter per inning. But this year, moving up a level to South Bend, now I know he's only started twice. He's had six relief appearances, but the numbers have flipped. He's now giving up well less than a hit per inning, 31 and a third innings, only 17 hits. While he struck out, 35 in those 31 innings. Uh, what have you seen from Espinosa so far this year? He's been outstanding, Darren. And you mentioned his age. He's only 21. And he's still growing into his body. I mean, he is not at a stage yet where he is fully grown, at least from a well-built perspective. Um, I think Tony Cagool, the Cubs pitching coach, has hit a chord with him in terms of one pitch in particular, and that's the changeup. Um, it's a disappearing changeup that just cuts to the outer half so well against lefties. And then he's not going to overpower you either. He's only throwing about 91, 92 miles an hour, but there's a last bit of movement on his fastball that he likes to work against right-handed batters. So combined between the heater that gets away from righties and the changeup that just drops against lefties, uh, he's just found a way to make it work. I remember there's only been one game where he has really struggled it was in April in Fort Wayne on a cold night. He gave up a game-winning home home run to Robert Hassel III, mm. who is the number two prospect in the Padres organization. So he's going to be hitting a lot of game home run, or a lot of game-winning home runs off of people. 
But other than that, Espinoza has shut the door, and I'm looking forward to see what he can do tonight. Hmm. Brendan King, South Bend Cubs broadcaster, my guest here on WSBT Radio. What's kind of your scouting report on DJ Hers, the left-hander? I talked to your skipper earlier this week, and he had a lot of great things to say about Hers, a guy that sure seems to be projecting in the next year or so as a guy that could be playing at Wrigley Field. Against lefties, he's a lethal man. I, it's, it's something to see him go against left-handed batters because he's one of those guys on the mound that has a bit of a funky delivery, but he works off the very edge of the first base side of the rubber. You cannot go any more towards first than DJ. And he will basically show his number to the hitter for as far as he turns back in his windup. So he hides the ball incredibly well, and the movement on his pitches, the fact that the hitter cannot see the ball until the last minute come out of his hand and then he's just dipping sliders in the dirt and he'll come at you with a high fastball, then it's unpredictable at times to know what pitch DJ is going to throw. Uh, I'm actually doing a story on him for the game program in the month of June, and here's a, here's a fun story for you. So DJ was a three-sport athlete in Fayetteville, North Carolina growing up, basketball, football, and baseball, but he regarded football actually as his best sport. He was a dual-threat lefty quarterback, and he put up incredible numbers. He went to multiple state championship games. He was great. He had been committed to North Carolina to play baseball, but he says he wanted to be a two-sport athlete and play football for Mac Brown. Ultimately, he decided to back out of that because a quarterback by the name of Sam Howell had <laughs> transferred to North Carolina, and DJ's decision to play professional baseball and sign with the Cubs was based off that he could not walk on or become a member of the North Carolina football team because Sam Howell, the transfer, is going to start. Wow, that's a great story. Very, very interesting. DJ Hers, member of the South Bend Cubs. You'll see him over the next couple of days, possibly, at Four Winds Field as we talk to Brendan King, South Bend Cubs broadcaster. Just to step away from South Bend for a second, a couple of guys that – we saw in South Bend have great success and move through the system quickly, and they've had their chance with the Chicago Cubs this year, and that is Ethan Roberts and Scott Efros. First off, you can't find two better young men than those two. And Ethan from Tennessee Tech, I remember his wife and, and baby were always at the ballpark. And it's just great mm-hmm. to see success from two guys that cut their teeth here in South Bend and I think there are maybe a few guys ahead of them on the pecking order early on, but they have pushed their way forward. And good for both of them, a chance to spend a lot of time with the Chicago Cubs this year. I agree, Darren. And Ethan, I didn't know Scott personally, but I knew Ethan along with you. And uh, one thing I remember about Ethan, he just said his wife, Hopeland, bringing their baby boy, Bryson, to the ballpark. And they even went on the road together. That was the, that was the thing I loved most. Um, Ethan now has two kids. He, had, he has a young daughter now that was born recently. Um, so he is loving life. I was catching up with him oh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, you know what I remembered most about Ethan, Darren, was when he was in South Bend, he was only throwing about 89, 90 miles an hour. And he has continued to build up his arm. He posted during COVID, he posted videos about every day of him working on his velocity growth. And he has now had the ability. He's throwing 95, 96, almost 97 miles an hour. So he's just a gym freak. And he had mentioned when I was talking to him a couple weeks back, Scott Efros was one of the guys that he had looked up to Hmm. when Ethan got his chance in AAA last year. Ethan kind of equates his stuff to an Efros. They don't have a similar delivery, obviously. But Ethan thinks his stuff matches well uh, with Efros, so they have helped each other over the last couple of years, and good to see them now in the Cubby bullpen. Hey, Brendan, one more question for you. With Ed Howard on the sideline with an injury, a Chicago Cubs first-round pick, who would you say among the infielders on the active roster right now in South Bend is someone to keep an eye on? I think it's got to be Fabian Pertuz, Darren. He had the game-winning hit a couple days back as South Bend won game one against Great Lakes and now lead the series two games to one. Pertuz was playing second base because of Ed's ability to play shortstop every day, and Pertuz is a guy that can play second, short, third. Uh, but he has the body of a shortstop. He has the athleticism of the shortstop, and he can hit the ball. He's kind of like – we might have talked about him one of the last times I jumped on, but he's got that Chris Morrell vibe in him where he puts on a show in BP, swings out of his shoes, but it's, it's never 
like over the top, if that makes sense. Like he swings as hard as he can, but you're like, oh, that's just what he does. That's what Chris Morrell, that's what we saw from Chris Morrell for an entire year. Or the Javi Baez type guy. He's just a high-energy guy that can really flash the leather. So he's played shortstop the last few days and has done well. He actually helped out DJ Hers yesterday. Uh, DJ was on his last batter in the fifth inning. He actually got his first win of 2022 yesterday. And because of Fabian Pertuz, who turned a 6-3 double play to end the fifth inning on DJ's last batter, hers was able to get the win. Hmm. And we wish Ed Howard the best. That first-round pick out of Mount Carmel had the hip injury and the reports he's had surgery. He'll miss the rest of the year, so hopefully he'll be back at full strength. And, and who knows, very soon in South Bend, now I'm talking next year, maybe deep into next year, you could have Ed Howard and Christian Hernandez in the same infield. And that'd be pretty exciting since Hernandez is the stud in the system outside of Brennan Davis. I mean, when you hear Manny Machado and Alex Rodriguez's comps, that gets your attention. Uh, It sure does. And I I could probably tell you that Marquee Sports Network and Chicago Cubs Productions would be eating that up if that happens. So we'll keep (laughs) our fingers crossed. You better believe it. Hey, have a good time down at the 500 this weekend, and we'll see you back at the ballpark soon. Hey, thanks, Darren. Appreciate you. You bet. Thank you. Brennan King, South Bend Cubs broadcaster, my guest here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 636. We'll wrap up Sports Beat in a moment on WSBT.